you, Rob. Um, sure, every time I come up here, I come up to the altar, I always think like, you know, my attire, um, I'm slowly being sanctified, slowly being drawn into the youth or young adult pastor role. Hopefully I can be, um, hopefully I'm getting there. That's, that's the hope at least. Um, but yeah, I'm really thankful to come and just share the word tonight. Um, and I just wanted to start off just with something that the Lord has been putting on my heart this past week, and I don't know, it's a risk, and I'm going to share it anyway. Just feel that, yeah, that the Lord's just been wanting me to say this and just start off with this. Um, yeah, during the past week, I've been uh, just, yeah, just, just struggling with this need. Um, it's usually they describe it in three social categories of defining or how to identify yourself. And the first one, as we know, is um, I am what I do. I am what people think of me. I am what I have. And I usually, it, this is like one of my struggles, and I usually lie in that category of what people think of me. And I just got convicted this past week of that. And, and I just, wh while I was in my quiet times and just praying and just talking to the Lord, um, just felt the Lord just say to me, you know, Bo, I qualify you. I validate you. Um, not, not the stage, not the people. Um, not your father, not your mom, not your dad, whatever, not your friends. I validate you. Um, and I just felt that that could be a word for anyone here tonight. Um, and if that is a word for someone tonight, please, we'd, I'd like to pray into that. But I just felt a prompting by the Holy Spirit to just share that. Um, and that has a, it, has a piece, uh, it has a piece to play into the rest of my sermon tonight. Um, yeah. So we're looking at discernment and ethics. Uh, and last week I picked up on discernment and the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. So now we're going to look at ethics. So I chose the word rather principles, just because I thought it just sounded better, just liked it better, a lot more. And I'm going to go with the principles of Jesus. Is that, that's the tagline of my uh, sermon tonight. Sure. So, so as I said, we'll be looking at the principles of Jesus, or the ethics of Jesus. And we're going to use... Uh, the Sermon on the Mount as a backdrop, as a canvas for what I'll be teaching tonight. Um, and let me just state now, um, the very reason for the Old Testament law, the Old Testament Torah, all the rules, the commandments, all of that, and who Jesus is, and what he came to do, and what he teached, all of that, and I, ex I, I explained last week as well, it's always been centered on love. Always centered on love. So just to give a definition, um, of the, the word ethics, um, the discipline concerned with what is morally good and bad and morally right and wrong. So s to put it simply, ethics or principles is concerned with the way we ought to conduct our lives, whether morally or right, whether good or bad. It's choices that we make, the consequences that we have uh, therefore after, not that doesn't make sense, afterwards, sorry. Um, and the ultimate basis for Christian ethics is the moral character of God. My aim tonight is to show or to just emphasize how biblical ethics or principles that Jesus is and taught were rooted and will always be rooted in love for the divine and for others. Now, I specifically want to emphasize that last part, for others. So now the, the Apostle Paul tells us that Scripture was not only given to reveal God's way of salvation, but also to train us in righteousness and equip us so I'm just going to go to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 to 17. Uh, let me just get there. Um, sure. 
But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know that you know those from who you've, whom you learned, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting. In and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to emphasize that last one, for every good work. Now, Paul says here, now, he says good work. I feel I just emphasize it because he says this on purpose, the every good work, the good work. Because what defines this good thing? What is this, this goodness that uh, Paul is talking about here? Well, it's work, it's ethics, it's principles that we live by that is derived on the backdrop of Jesus, what he teaches, who he is. This work or these principles we live by, by needs to be, needs to be rooted by Jesus, and we will learn from him. So, I want to look at um, the first examples of God's rules. Now, remember ethics or whatever, ethics, rules, principles, rules, or principles can be traced back to the beginning of creation in Genesis, where God himself introduced ethics by implication, by naming his creation good. So he, he, when, he, when creation started, he, he said, at the end of it, he said, this is good. By implication, he's implying that there is good and there's bad. Um, so he's determined now ethics. And now he set, yes, and now he set the ethical standard of obeying him. By, oh, yeah, sorry. Um, now he introduced uh, the ethics by implication, by naming his creation good and by setting the ethical standard of obeying him, by not eating the fruit, which then later, later on led to the fall. So now, after rescuing Israel from bondage and choosing her as his special possession, God began his relationship with the elect people by giving them an ethical charter to govern their behavior toward him and amongst themselves. Now, centuries later now, when Jesus arrived on the scene to usher in this climatic phase of redemptive history, he too started by issuing an ethical manifesto. Now, these ethical manifestos are the Sermon on the Mount, the, the teachings, the, um, the, the principles that we now live by. Now, this whole teaching, this whole, this whole Sermon on the Mount was a radical shift, a radical, um, yeah, it was a radical shift on already the precedent of the law and Old Testament scriptures and whatnot. He took it to a new dimension. Um, but it still held value to the Old Testament rules and ethics and whatever. Now, I'm saying it still holds value to it for a reason. Because what's hugely misunderstood, um, this is why I feel that hugely misunderstood about Old Testament Torah, whatever, the law, is that the, that the law and Jesus, they're not different. I mean, yeah, they're not different. And usually what's misunderstood is that they are different. But it's actually, they're the same thing. In fact, I would even go as far to say that the law, the, the Ten Commandments are foretaste of who Jesus is, of who Jesus is going when he comes and when he came um, during this time. So the law is a foretaste of Jesus. At the heart of Jesus' ethical call is the call to love God and others. Now, just to look at 1 John 4 verse 19. John 14, 1 John 4 verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. 
whoever God does not love, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Now I want to take a look at the rich young man. And we all know that story. Excuse me. We all know that story of the, the man, the, the young man who who eagerly desired, he eagerly desired to follow Jesus. And when Jesus came up to him, well, when he arrived at Jesus' feet and he, he, he just, just lied at Jesus' feet and saying, Jesus, what must I do to inherit this kingdom that you talk about, that you can't come and preach about? And he said, go and sell your possessions. Go and sell, go and sell all your possessions. And this hurt him a lot. And I want to go deeper into this and unpack, um, I want to unpack this so much more. So I'm just going to read um, the entire the entire passage from Mark uh, 10, from 17 to 22, if you guys want to follow. But I'll be reading it anyway. So, and, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So I'm just going to stop there. So now, this young man came eagerly, he came eagerly thinking he had done all the things he needed to do to, in, in, to be validated the, by this kingdom acceptance. He did all that he thought, at least, that he'd done it all. And he comes to Jesus and says, I, uh, what, what more must I complete? Like subtly implied that he had, uh, subtly implied to Jesus that I had, I've completed everything. And then we know what he says next, Jesus says, you know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not, you shall not commit, commit adultery, you shall not steal, etc., etc., etc. Now the rich young man has kept all these ethical guidelines, except he really hasn't though. In verse 21, and Jesus looking at him, loved him, loved him, and said to him. Now I chose this, the same story is told in Matthew, but I chose Mark for a very, uh, for a very specific reason, because Mark puts it as loved him. And said to him, loved him. Jesus' motives, and I'm going to expand upon my own story just shortly now. But Jesus' motives, even when we're trying to tick off the boxes of what to do, of um, how to do it, or whatever, with the wrong with the wrong heart, Jesus' motive, even when we are checking off the boxes, when we're ticking off the boxes, sorry, will always be to love us. So I want to just share my story. Um, recently, actually, in Cape Town. Uh, we went on a mission trip um, with a couple of guys, a couple of guys from New Wine, and it was a great mission trip. Um, we, we, we was a couple, it was five of us in the car, so it was actually quite cramped. But we went down there, we went to, when we went on the streets, we, we went to visit churches, we, we, we did what you call the kingdom work. Um, and to one degree, uh, our motives and our heart when we arrived there, when when we were doing this stuff, was in a sense right. For me, I can speak for myself. I thought my motive was right. I thought, no, you know what? I'm actually doing w what Jesus has, call has called us to do. Um, 
And then after these, the, after these past few days, after the days passed and we, we had been preaching, we had been uh, on the streets doing evangelism, doing some um, feeding as well, feeding people on the streets as well. And I mean, it was actually quite hectic because we were in the most hectic parts of Cape Town. Um, we were in like a hectic part of Weinberg and Plumstead as well. Um, like I'm sure some of the guys, Shark, can also tell you, we, we met people that were, you know, they, 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 they were coming to us just recently have like injected like um, coke, not cocaine, but drugs into their system. Um, many other drugs and they, you could see the needle marks upon them. You could see these people are like just, just, just downtrodden. And I mean, we, in a sense, we weren't afraid, uh, but it was kind of a, like a culture shock. Um, it was kind of a shock to us. And yeah, we, we, we came there doing, you know, not even not caring, not even be fearful, being fearful of um, how, like what's going to happen or whatever, but we just went for it. We, we prayed for people. We, we fed people. We just, we loved to do this. And after all the stuff that, uh, after the going to meetings or whatever, going to churches, we, we had a rest day, um, Sabbath day, if you want to call it, um, where we were on a train. This, we decided to take our day to be on like one of those um, old school trains going across Cape Town. Um, bad idea. I don't know why we did that. It's a terrible idea. It was a long day. Um, but nonetheless, we decided to go on one of these trains across Cape Town. And I'm sitting there in, on the seat going across Cape Town. And I was just thinking, uh, in my mind, I was like, all that we've done, like in actuality, what does it amount to? In this moment, in this moment, my mind and my heart, I was feeling like, um, in a way, yeah, in, in, in a way, I was feeling like, I don't feel like we've, 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 we've done the kingdom work or we've done um, this with the right heart. Um, and in my mind, I was also just, just being, just being under so much like influence of just like, I was just had terrible thoughts. I had things depraved thoughts in that moment I was just thinking and I had a, like just a negative mindset in that moment and and I know I, and I know we live in this tension of the kingdom of uh, this eschatological uh, uh, tension that you know the kingdom has come and it's yet to come and in a, in a way I'm being still being sanctified and still being uh, made into the the image of Jesus but in that moment I just realized no if there is even just a 5% uh, motive in your heart that is doing it for any other reason than Jesus, it will not amount to anything. Any kingdom work you do, anything you do in Jesus' name, and if a 5% of it, I do believe we did go there with the right intention. I, will, I mean, it was an amazing trip, but in my heart, I just knew, I just felt unfulfilled. I felt unfulfilled because there was a piece of me that was just lingering on to what I can now define and what I can now process as self-improvement. Because I was like, Jesus, I don't understand. We've been doing this stuff now. Why am I not changed? Why am I not um, thinking more like you? Why am I thinking so selfishly? Why am I thinking all these other thoughts? I don't understand. Um, and then I started to understand my focus, my goal was self-improvement. That, not that that's a bad thing. Or, yeah, not that that's a bad thing. It's a good thing. But that shouldn't be the focus. The focus is Jesus fulfilling his commission, fulfilling his desires. And the reason why I mention that is I want to also look at Matthew 7, 7 to 21. 
And that is the, the scripture of, um, actually, if we go a little bit uh, backwards in Matthew 7, a tree and its fruits. And I can just read that quickly just now. Uh, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And then, this is the, sh- this is the part, um, the heading that's called, I never knew you. In verse 21, not everyone who says to be Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the, the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And this past week, uh, we had the conference, and um, one of my favorite teachings was from uh, David Ruiz, the Canadian uh, uh, vineyard pastor who came to visit us recently. And... He shared on compassion and the reason, the motive for why we, we sit, we, we, clean the, the, we clean the leper, we, we sit with the widows, we, we mourn with the widows, we, we do the kingdom work. The kingdom work is motivated by compassion, the same compassion Jesus had. That's not me. Okay. Um, let me go on. Let me carry on. Just to go back to the story of um, the rich young man. In verse 21, in actually verse 22, sorry. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know, I think he knew that he couldn't lay claim to the ethical love of God if he had laid to another kingdom. If he had his heart already centered around another kingdom, he could never live by the ethical standards that Jesus was setting, by the ethical love that Jesus was setting, showing. And I think, at least least to me, I think we're just like him, laying hold to another, whether it's our comfort, whether it's our money, whether it's my desire, mine was a desire for self-improvement so that I may shine well, but on the outside, but not like I'm, I'm not actually, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not what I appear to be. But I want to let the Lord work in me and process in me. So, three understandings of this principle, three understandings of these principles that Jesus is talking about, that Jesus taught. One uh, understanding is that it's grace motivated. 1 John John 4 verse 19 again. Um, Let me just go to it quickly. We love because he first loved us. What God has done for us, supremely manifested in Christ, is the foundation for what we then do for God. Now, the second understanding of this is transformational. In the story of the rich young man, it's unfortunate that the, 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 the young man did not allow the conviction of what Jesus was saying to take place in his heart. But instead, his heart was elsewhere. This, this ethical love that Jesus describes on the Sermon on the Mount is energized by something more profound than mere behavior, mere behavior or conformity. It's an inner transformation by His Spirit. Count, and the third thing, 
the third understanding of this ethical love of Jesus is it's countercultural. So to speak, it's a going against the flow. It's going against it. And Jesus demonstrated this in the Sermon on the Mount by loving your enemies. This was countercultural. This was radical. In that time, to tell people uh, to love your enemies, he said, I give you a new command, taking it even further. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Now, just a- as I end off, um, I just want to arrive to back what I was trying to relay and trying to hope that we, we can understand. We can never truly obey or listen or even try to adhere to the ethical mandates or principles of Jesus if we're not operating in the way it was meant to. The way that I'm talking about is the same way Jesus looked at that young man lovingly, love, loving him. That he misled, that the rich young man, in a way, um, told the rich young man in a way of love that he misled his stuff for the sake of him and those he loves. My hope is that we can all live these mandates out of a place of compassion for one another and a love for God. It is the only way this will ever be sustained. Only way will ever be sustained. I just want to end off with one scripture, 1 Peter 4 verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So, as we go into worship now, um, so the worship team can come up. I just had a, I just thought the Lord told me that he had a few prophetic words that I wanted to share. Well, actually one. I just felt it was so necessary for, for whoever is in this room. I want to share that over you. And I just, and I shared this with Rob while we were praying in the prayer room. I just felt there's someone in this room where the Lord is calling back to their, to come, calling them back to their home. And this is their home. Whoever that is in this room, and that applies for every one of us actually. But I just feel the Lord is, for this person, is calling you back home calling you back to, um, to his love. And I know you're in a season of being recalled, and he's, he, wants to, he wants you to know that this is your home. The church is your home. The people that, the community, it's your home. Um, yeah, so we're going to go into worship now. And I want to encourage us to, to just, just, just ponder those, um, the things I've just, just, just shared. Um, yeah. Thank you, guys. I'll just end in prayer for you. Lord, just thank you for this time. Thank you for the worship that we give you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you you descended from above, Lord, to be with us. You descended from above, Lord, to share in the sufferings and to ultimately take it on your own, to take it upon yourself. So, Lord, we just give you glory, Lord. We give you worship, Lord. We thank you for who you are. Your Holy Spirit come and just move in this place tonight, Lord. Convict hearts, Lord. Change hearts, Lord. We give it to you all, Lord.